Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. If I ventured in the slipstream This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRenger.com. All the stats, tools, and info that I'll be discussing on this podcast can be found over at rickrengood.com. By the time you're listening to this, you can sign up for the weekly pass and get absolutely all of my content for the Open Championship. In-depth course breakdown will be live on the site on Monday morning, season-long fantasy rankings on Tuesday, final DraftKings thoughts on Wednesday. Huge week for us at the site, and we always love the support. Truly an incredible tool for if you are betting or playing DraftKings this week or just want more access to more data and, and information. It is uh, also the best place to reach me for questions in that premium Slack channel. So head on over to rickrengood.com, promo code Andy. That is the important part if you want to help me out. And we would love to have you as part of the community. All right, coming up on this podcast, myself and Steve Bamford giving you a very comprehensive breakdown of Royal Liverpool, final major of the year. I am incredibly excited for this one. And uh, as always with Steve, there's a ton of great info in here. If this one helps you at all, please feel free to share it around on Twitter. Tell a friend. This is the final big week of the year for me. Um, So all that stuff means more than you know. All right, without further ado, let's bring on Steve. All right, Steve Bamford is here, back for another major championship, the final major of the year. Man, how time has flied. Uh, we're already at the Open Championship, which is back in England. So let's let's start big picture. You are how far away from Royal Liverpool, and what is your what, how would you characterize your relationship to Hoyle Lake? Nice to be on again, Andy. It's becoming a regular thing for our majors. Um, I'm about, whoa, I'm near London, so... Three, three and a half hour drive. Uh, Hoylake is very close to the centre of Liverpool, about seven miles. Uh, so it's what we classify as northwest England over here. Uh, the weather, it's actually raining here right now. It's only just starting. We had a very, very dry May and early June. Since then, it's been kind of ticking over in kind of in, in terms of weather. But um yeah, the forecast. I mean, the forecast isn't. It's just looking typically notoriously English summer by the coast. You could be. It could be raining. It could be sunny. It could be windy. It's, it's difficult to tell. I don't think though that this course is going to be baked out. That's one thing mm-hmm. I can say. Well, that's a huge point to start with, probably yeah. because I was looking at the last two opens in 2014 which Rory won and then I believe it was 20 2006 which Tiger won. Yeah. And in 2014 
it w- I wouldn't characterize it as incredibly firm and we saw or incredibly windy for that matter. And we yeah. saw fairly low scores with Rory, I believe, went at minus 17. The Tiger year in 2006 was a lot firmer and a lot more challenging. And yeah. so this is a golf course that has been one of the easier on the open rota just from a big picture view over the years. But to me, and we should we should talk about these changes, but to me, especially coming off the last two opens, there feels like there has been a, a much more concerted effort to make this golf course pl- at least play a lot more challenging. Well, they've changed the par for a start, haven't they? That, those two years played as par 72. So straight away, they've changed it to a par 71. Uh, they've in, they've into they've in they put like they placed a new path three on the back nine as well, so I can see where you're heading with that. It's seven thousand. It's just under seven thousand four hundred yards with a number of holes being extended since the last time we saw the course when Rory won here. Par seventy one. To me, the way that I've summarised it is, I don't think that that uh, Royal Liverpool is one of the most onerous of the links tests if you were just looking at it from a course perspective right um we don't know what's going to happen with the wind we don't know what's going to happen clearly with uh with the turf conditions but i don't see it being tiger woods baked one you know taking iron off the tee every single hole i think it's going to still be relatively scorable i really do I mean, for a start, this golf course is absolutely pan flat. It's flat and the greens are, I mean, it doesn't have the typical sand dunes that you see on a lot of links courses. I mean, it is really exposed to the wind. I will say that. So if you do get windy conditions, the player, I mean, there's no defense out there. Not even in the form of sand dunes where it can block out certain holes from being completely exposed to the breezes. But kind of a a very straightforward golf course topographically in the sense that the greens are relatively flat. I mean, like all links courses, you're going to have your humps and hollows. And if it's playing incredibly firm and fast, it's going to be really difficult to hold these fairways. But topographically, some of the more flat greens – that you'll see at an open championship venue, at least from what I've noticed. In terms of sand dunes, this certainly isn't a sandwich, for example. Mm-mm. You could you could kind of stray and think, well, actually, isn't it kind of like Royal Birkdale, which is only within like t- 50 miles up the coast? Sure. But actually, when you look at Birkdale, that's far more sandwich-like in terms of plenty of big um impressive sand dunes that encroach on the course and create a lot of natural humps and hollows with this this is uh, hoylake effectively is an old race course it's an old horse racing track it is pan flat it duly is but that does make it extremely exposed the predominant wind here would be from the west it'd be coming over the irish sea it's just a case of you know, especially when it comes to DraftKings and if you can hold off and you can you can wait until the Tuesday or the Wednesday before the event and just see what, what the, the various different weather services are saying, 
there could there could be some benefit in that, especially on DK if you can stack AM, PM, or whatever way you want to play it. But that, yeah, that's the nature of Lynx Golf, isn't it? It's by far the most open to 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 the weather effectively. Is it too early to start to project out? I mean, I remember when I went to Ireland, I went on a golf trip in Ireland last year and the I found the weather forecast every single day. It became like a running joke in our group. Whatever the weather forecast said for us ended up being the exact opposite of what actually mm-hmm. happened. So this exercise to date us as we record this on Tuesday, July 11th, exactly nine days out from the open may turn out to be a complete fool's errand. But from what you're seeing nine days out, a little bit more rain in the area, maybe a little bit softer of a golf course, at least closer to what we saw in 2014 than what we saw in 2006. And in terms of in tournament week, a little bit of rain and moderate winds. Yeah. That's kind of what we see. I mean, May, as I said, very dry over here. We only had uh, the course only received just under half an inch of rain, so that's eleven mils. If you're in the uh, in Europe, uh, June one and a, just over one and a half inches, thirty nine millimeters, and July so far this this um, this month just a tad over an inch of rain, so twenty six millimeters. It's actually raining there apparently now, as we're recording this. So. Right. Wind, it's too early to tell, but from, from what I've saw, seen on Windfinder uh, via the um, the weather post, which is literally next door to the golf course in West Kirby, it's saying kind of 15 to 20, which I would have thought on the Thursday, which around here, that's pretty, that's going to test them a little bit. A, a 15 to 20 mile an hour gust in wind on, around Royal Liverpool is going to, um, they're going to feel that 100%. What's interesting to me too is I'm curious to see if there's a bit of an overcorrection because when I looked at all of the course changes that have been made in preparation for this open, which basically started in 2020. So there may not be a correlation to the fact that the last two open championships have been a lot easier than we've seen. And the RNA to me feels like a far less reactive body than a USGA, where we've seen a USGA in the past be very reactive and overcorrect to criticisms based on course setup, whereas the RNA is a what they go with the flow a lot more of what the weather dictates this tournament to be. And I think the fans are a lot more accepting and understanding of the fact that this is a tournament that is 95% dependent on course conditions, right? And turf conditions and wind, right? So I'm curious to see if it it feels to me on one hand, like all of the changes that have been made to this golf course over the past two years by Martin Eber, was it, I believe, in charge of the, the changes? It was, yeah, Eber, yeah, 2020, yeah, they cut the additions were major. Yeah, mainly made in 2020. So part of me thinks, man, in terms of setup and pin positions uh, and how much they water this course, it seems like there are some indications and signs that there is a concerted effort to make this play like a more challenging open. And on the other hand, I just don't know if the weather is going to give us that. 
Is it going to cooperate? That's the point, isn't it? I think if they had it their way, they'd have it nice and firm and fast up to the oh, green yeah. surfaces. You know, at the end of the day, it's funny, we, we talk about it and, we, and we've worked through the majors, haven't we, since the uh, PGA Championship. This is the complete antipathy. It's the complete reverse of what we saw at Los Angeles Country Club in terms of right. the weather. That was rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You said it on the podcast, didn't you? You said, basically, this is exactly what will happen every day with the weather. It'll be cloudy at the start, a marine layer towards the late morning. That will clear. You'll get a breeze coming in off the Pacific. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where we are. The temperatures will be the same. Exactly what happened here. Who knows? You just you just genuinely don't know. All I will say is I think if, if the RNA do get their way and just the way that the weather has been, if you look at the course, it's certainly there's there's tinges there of of brown and, and yellow grass where where there's just been a lack of rain it would i think need a hell of a lot of downpour between now and then and during to get this course really really soft right and if you think about st andrews last year i mean st andrews was incredibly firm and that still did not remotely stop players from eating it up now i think at kind of a 40,000 foot view. Liverpool is under calm conditions, still a harder golf course than St. Andrews, just because yeah. of the lack of width, the hazards. I mean, there's OB on this golf course on what 35% of the holes and not the type of OB that we're going to see one or two guys a day, uh, come into trouble with that. I mean, this is OB that is on some holes, remarkably dangerously close to like the middle of the fairway, right? So to me, I mean, I think this is a golf course that if it is firm and fast, could be a really, a really, really challenging test because of how exposed it is and because how difficult I think it is for players to be able to stop the ball in the fairway. The question that I probably have the most and that I am I am struggling with the most in terms of how I break down this golf course is the consequence of misses on this golf course. And, and, and I talk about that as a theme a lot. We talked about that a lot with LACC where this is a golf course where wayward driving can get yourself into a ton of trouble. Now, the biggest question that I have is if it gets in incredibly firm and baked out, is this, is this a situation where you know, even the most accurate drivers of the ball are missing the fairways and they lose a little bit of their advantage. Or does this play soft enough where yeah. the accurate guys really do have an ability to flex their muscles with their driving accuracy and keep the ball in the fairway? And that becomes a massive, massive edge in terms of correlation of success where I'm kind of in the middle here where I'm I, I'm almost 50% of me wants to say that this is a golf tournament that is going to be completely dependent on a player's ability to find the fairway. And the other 50% of me says, well, if it gets so firm and baked out, then then maybe that doesn't really end up mattering at all. If you look at if you look at the 14 holes which aren't par threes, there's six of them that feature genuine out of bounds. Right. And as you said, that that to me was the major takeout of all of the research that I did. And it was the major takeout of what I can remember from 2014. These majors will roll into one when you get to my age, Andy. But the, the thing was, 
it feels to me that if you're an indiscriminate driver of the golf ball here, you could be in some serious, serious trouble. Right. It seems to me as well. I mean, I Cam Smith being you know the defending champion, and clearly he just won at Live London, um, twenty minute drive from here uh, on Sunday. You just think to yourself, well, you know, Cam Smith finding form. But when you look at his numbers from Live London uh, on Sunday, he was something like 44th out of 48 for driving accuracy. Right. And he only hit uh, 51% of greens. Right. And you think to yourself, well, if Cam Smith was that indiscriminate off the tee around Hoylake, he's going to eat him up. Because when you actually look at the at the setup here, and this is the interesting stuff for me, you said it. You know, topography wise, this golf course isn't you know isn't that outstanding. But what it gains is it's the tall fescue in play on all holes and plenty of out of bounds. So, like we say, six genuine out of bounds here. All par fours and all par fives feature, and this is another factor: a two to three yard wide semi rough. And then once you stray past that, you're genuinely into knee to waist high fescue. Right. And it's complete. <laughs> it's the lap of the gods where you are then. And these fairways, they're not overly wide. They're certainly, you know, this is the complete three, uh, 180 of what we saw at St. Andrews, where Cam Smith could be hitting 85% of fairways. Um, this is a scenario where if you're not driving the ball straight, you are in some serious trouble around here. And actually, looking at the numbers for both McElroy and Woods when they won around here, it was a scenario where both of those actually hit a decent amount of fairways. Especially Tiger. Tiger hit 86% of his fairways. Yeah, 86%. And Absolutely. pulled driver. You've been, you've been doing your homework. First, he was first for driving accuracy with his, you know, with his one iron. His, uh, and even McElroy, 20th for, for, dry, uh, for accuracy. 66.1% of fairways for so two thirds of fairways hit for McRoy. And he was he was uh he was banging it 328 yards off the tee back in 2014. And Tiger actually, I mean, Tiger ranked outside what the top 50 in, in driving distance in 2006 because yeah. strategically he went with the two iron on pretty much every hole. Yeah, two iron, yeah. Had, he had so much distance back then compared to his peers that he was hitting his two iron longer than most yeah. players were hitting their driver. And so I, I I would bring a little caution to the win where I think there may be a few players in the field this year, a Rory, for example. This is a wonderful golf course for Rory if he has a disciplined strategy and yeah. A potentially extremely hazardous golf course for Rory if he plays dumb, which he can tend to do occasionally in major championships. But I do I, th I think you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot, Andy, the whole open week about oh, you know, I'm playing two iron, I'm playing three iron off a lot of the tees, I'm playing hybrid. Yep. Well if the wind gets up though, that changes because it, you know, a lot of these holes will run into the wind, and all of a sudden you're faced with a scenario where you're having to hit driver. Rory said it too. Rory yep. has said, I believe he gave this quote prior to LACC where he talked about how he's gone back and watched 
how he played in the early 2010s, that period of 2012 to 2014, where he was on top of the world. And he was shocked at how disciplined he played, right? How willing he was to take three wood and two iron off the tee. And now he's transitioned into a period where he pulls driver a lot more often and plays a lot more aggressively. And that has worked wonders on some golf courses. To me, this is a golf course where the strategy that he employed a lot more back in the early 2010s and what Tiger employed in 20 in 2006 is going to be a lot more valuable. I mean, this isn't, we're not breaking any news here. I mean, I read your article, which is out and you had some of the player quotes from 2014 and 2006. Phil talked about this. Phil played a lot more conservatively here. Stenson is a guy that talked about this, right? I mean, this is a golf course where restraint and discipline is going to be incredibly important this week, right? Because the consequence of misses on some of this golf course, right? It's it's not like an Oak Hill where, you know, if you're 20 yards right of the fairway, you're just in thick rough with an angle to the green. If you're 20 yards right of the fairway on certain holes, you're reteeing and hitting your third shot off the tee. Yeah, absolutely. It's again, St. Andrews last year didn't have that scenario. You know, with 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 those fairways, which are basically two, yeah, two, two holes wide, they could they could go with players could go and be as aggressive as they wanted to. I think that lack or difficulty in terms of being able to be aggressive off the tee will a lot of players don't like that. They're you know they're driver heavy players, and when That's then. True. The when they're not being player. able to take driver, that frustrates them. And you you can't get frustrated at a track like this, I don't think. Especially like the uh, the driver heavy approach has become so conducive to success on PGA Tour courses. Absolutely, that's why I find this tournament to be so incredibly difficult to model out. And I would tread cautiously when it comes to statistics and and making models because you're going to look and see a lot of play you're going to look at driving accuracy statistics this week from PGA Tour courses and they're going to display to you largely how accurate a player is with their driver right because a dr- because players hit driver a lot on the PGA Tour that is just the reality of setups on the PGA Tour right and yeah. this is a golf course where, you know, that does not become important whatsoever if a player is opting not to hit driver whatsoever. You almost want to try and decipher and figure out, and we're not quite there with data yet, where club choice accuracy off certain tee shots, that's something I want to, that's like a real project for me over the next nine days. But you really want to try and figure out the players that have shown a lot of discipline in their approach and try and identify players that take a less driver heavy approach. I don't know how you would model this out, right? I mean, maybe you're looking at guys that on courses like Harbor town have displayed a lot of restraint and accuracy with less than driver in terms of their ability to find the fairway, but it creates a really interesting and difficult dilemma 
for guys like me and you who are very data dependent to try and figure out how players are going to perform on a golf course that asks of you completely different questions from what we see every week on the PGA Tour. This is the phrase that I used in my um, preview, Andy. The transition from fairway to tall fescue is both amazingly stark, but also amazingly small in terms of missed distance. You can be in a whole heap of trouble just with an extra yard carry. It's crazy if that yard of carry is in the wrong direction. Right. And the other point that you raised too, that I think people are going to make the mistake of is, you know, you look at the last two, not all links golf courses are created equally, right? I mean, no. the questions that St. Andrews is asking you, yeah. Far, far, even St. George is a little bit as well, which which played a lot easier than I think a lot of people expected, even though just from a 40,000 foot view, St. George is, is probably more similar to this golf course than at least St. Andrews was. If you're, if you're thinking about the open venues, I wouldn't just necessarily say, okay, we can take all of the open venues and bundle them into one. Are there specific open courses in the rotation that you're looking at more closely than others? There's one course. I had a chat with Paul Williams about this today. There's one course we think you can link to this quite reasonably, and that's Royal True. Yeah, I like that a lot. A similar course. Now, listen to this, Andy. You'll love this. Royal True, Henrik Stenson's crowning moment, yeah? One is one and only major in that head-to-head with Phil Mickelson. And if you look at the skill sets there, Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson are poles apart. But that week they were playing stellar golf. Phil was playing the most conservative strategic golf you'll ever see him play. And Henrik played his usual game. You know, he's no driver of the golf ball. Nope. Three wood off the tee, 270, 280 off the tee, dead straight. Now you think about Royal Troon, you think about that leaderboard. And then you look at the three names here in 2014. McElroy won, Sergio Garcia second, Ricky Fowler third. There's one course, when I say McElroy, Garcia, Fowler and Stenson, that absolutely jumps to the front of my thinking in terms of a course in America, which all four of those players have, have had great success on, and that is TPC Sawgrass. TPC Sawgrass, a course which basically takes, you know, aggressive driver straight out of play and is completely strategic. Stenson a winner there, Garcia a winner there, McElroy a winner there, Ricky Fowler a winner there of the Players' Championship. I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's it's true, isn't it? it it's uh, true. Completely, and that's why I, I brought up Harbortown a little bit earlier in this mm. sense. That, you know, I don't... None of these are one-to-one comps, right? I, I, no. I think you're you're probably barking it's up. More, it's more of a mindset, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a mindset of you go to you go to TPC Sawgrass. Cam Smith might be the exception, but of course he then went on to win the Open last year. But sure. if you're missing fairways in the main at Sawgrass, you're you're in a heap of trouble or in the water. It's that. Well, I'm going to have to. We're all playing to the same place of the fairways. And from that point on, we all move forward as a collective effectively. 
But you've got four players there, one the winner at Troon and three, the one, two, three, last time we came here at, at, at Hoylake, who have all been players' champions. Do you think, and I'm pulling this, you use this exact quote in your article, and I, I love this one too from Phil. The reason I really like Royal Liverpool is the same reason that I really like Muirfield, and that is when you have to land a ball 20 30 yards short of the green. If you don't hit it at the green, the ball kicks on. There's not these repellent hillsides, which is what we talked about a little bit with St. George's in the landing area that kick balls off into trouble. If you hit it offline, it will continue to go offline. It's not going to hit a mound and kick back to the green. What I'm ultimately saying is that well-struck shots are rewarded and poorly struck shots are penalized. And that's not always the case in Lynx golf. It could be the exact opposite many times. In fact, that happened quite a few times last week at Royal Aberdeen. He's referring to where the Scottish Open used to be the week before. So the thing that I really like about Royal Liverpool is the same thing that I really liked about Muirfield. Those last 20, 30 yards short of the green where oftentimes you have to land a golf ball, it will continue to bounce onto the green if you strike it properly. So Muirfield's the only other one that I would say that if this golf course plays on the firmer side, there's some Muirfield to it as well. Although I will say that Muirfield, the greens are a lot more undulating to me at Muirfield, but in terms of that same firmness and importance of accuracy, right. In terms of your approach shots, right. And, and and with your driver as well, Muirfield would be the the other one that I would look at more so if I was seeing that it is going to be on the more baked outside. Yep, get that. So yeah, Muirfield, Troon. I think those are the two for me. The other thing I tell you, you know, as you said, this, this isn't about comp courses. This is more about mindset and where players have done well in the past. Well said. And then this this next one isn't really that workable because. This tournament um, took a turn for the worse quite um, quite a few years ago. But if you look at McElroy, you look at Garcia and Ricky Fowler, another another course that they both played, all three played well at, PGA National, where they used to play the Honda Classic, or where they do play the Honda Classic, although it's not going to be the Honda Classic. Anyway, yeah, PGA National, McElroy a winner there, Fowler a winner there, Sergio Garcia a runner-up there. Again, a similar course to the players where lots of water in play, a kind a course where you've really got to navigate yourself around, and a course there where even when it was in February, they could really get that course to bake out. They could really get PJ National to bake out if they wanted to. So, yeah, th- th- there's various different tracks uh, over in the States that I like the look of. The other one would be Boston, TPC Boston, McElroy, a two-time winner there, Fowler, a winner there. Sergio Garcia, two top fives. Apart from that, I don't see a lot of carryover. But, you know, if you're seeing players that you like and they've got form on those those three courses, I don't think that's a bad scenario to, to be in. Um, there's a few other trends that might be worth going through as well. But from a course perspective, yeah, I think I think the main... The main thing here is to pick players that you're comfortable with that are strategically sound and are prepared to be conservative off the tee when needs be and or 
very straight drivers of the golf ball. Well, clearly, if they're straight and long, even better. But that, that you know, that works on every golf course known to man, doesn't it? So, I think that's where I'm at with this. That just puts to, me off quite. That puts me off quite a few players, actually. Well, just to give a just to give a little bit more credence to your PGA National comparison. Adam Scott, fifth at Liverpool in 2014. I believe he's been good at PGA National. Shane yep. Lowry, ninth at Liverpool in 2014. Runner up there last year, yeah. Runner up there last year, fifth last year. And then even Chris Kirk, our winner this year of the Honda Classic, T19 at Liverpool in 2014. Yeah. So I think Adam won the Honda Classic, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Kirk won Honda this year and was, and like I said, was T19 at, at Liverpool in 2014. Talk about some of the trends because I want to dive into, you know, there's this huge correlation that we talk about with the first three majors in terms of performance in recent major championships, recent form. I want to dive a little bit before we get into the odds board on whether we still think that correlation is as important at the major that probably brings the most variance into play because of the weather conditions. When I've dug into this, you go back to Stenson again in 2015, all open championship winners had finished in the top 11 on one of their previous three majors. Mm-hmm. Now that includes Molinari, but back then the open was still third. So actually he'd finished second in the PGA the previous year that JT won at Quail Hollow. Now, I've gone through all the leaderboards today. Here, here are the names that that trend excludes, yeah, of the big, big names. So guys that haven't finished in the top 11 of the three majors so far this year. Max Homer, Tony Finau, Keegan Bradley, Tyrrell Hatton, who I think will get some steam, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Sung Im, Jason Day, Brian Harmon, Shane Lowry, and Hideki Matsuama. So, based upon that trend, none of those will be winning the Open this, uh, next, uh, you know, this year. The Hatton one is gonna, is gonna yeah, it's gonna sting a lot of people. I think. Yeah. I'm talking about winner here. I'm, I'm talking about pure winner. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about each way places. I'm talking about the winner of the tournament. Right, and then in terms of, in terms of open form too. Right, I mean. Morikawa really broke the seal with that a lot. Yeah, but still, but, but but still previously in the past, I mean, fairly, fairly strong correlation in terms of open championship form prior to winning an open, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. You could even say major championship result top tens. I mean, I'm going way back to Darren Clark. Six major top tens. Ernie Els had had 32. Phil Mickelson, 34. Rory McIlroy had had eight major top tens before he won this. Uh, Zach Johnson, seven at St. Andrews. Henrik Stenson, nine. Jordan Speed, six when he won in 2017. Uh, Francesco Molinari had had three. Shane Lowry, four. Morikara clearly uh, had won the PGA Championship. And Cam Smith last year. He's had, he'd had five major top tens and one open top 20 before winning at St Andrews last year. But yes, Morikawa screw, screws the... Basically, he turned up at Sandwich, didn't he? And um, his first ever look at an Open Championship and, and you know, and took, took the claret jug back with him. Um, there's also something as well 
in terms of, I think, recently, I'm looking for players. I mean, listen to this. Um, Cam Smith, 10th at the Scottish Open the week before. Colin Morikawa, I mean, he really did sell people a dummy, didn't he? He was 71st at the Scottish Open, hadn't played an Open. But prior to that, he'd finished fourth at the US Open, second at Memorial, right. eighth at the PGA Championship. And very few people were on him because we were all going, oh, right. we need people that have got top 10 and top 20 experience at the Open Championship. Put a line through Colin Morikawa. Win. Uh how crazy was 40 to one looking back on 40 it? 40 to one madness. And I didn't even, I, I didn't even consider it either because the same, he came up with the quotes right before about how he didn't like the way that his irons were interacting with the turf. But, yeah. you know, you think about it a little bit more closely and there's been this thought about the open in the past because of the Ben Curtis's of the world and the Todd Hamilton's of the world in the early two thousands. But you go back the last 10 years and it does feel like talent is starting to overcome and triumph all right. Even, even yeah. links, even links form, right? I mean, we've had six of the last 10 winners of the open, which has always felt to me like, the most variable of the majors it's always felt to me like yeah. the major that we we are more prone to see cinderella's at yeah. but six of the last 10 winners have been inside the world top 10 i mean the yeah. only winner outside of for colin mark to be 41 he was like the sixth ranked player in the world when he won right he so, so you know we've not seen a winner outside of the top 40 in the world in the last 10 years ernie yells and Shane Lowry were the only two guys that were outside of the top 30. Yeah, Lowry 33. But yes, I get I get what you're saying. Um, Irish Open, 34th, 28th US Open for Shane Lowry. Where, where I'm heading with this is the last three winners of the Open have played a warm-up event between the PGA Tour and here. But you then look at players like Francesco Molinari. He didn't play the Scottish Open. He didn't play the Irish Open or anything over here. But he finished second at the John Deere Classic and first at TPC Potomac mm -hmm. in America, playing the best golf of his career, turned up here, won the Open at 33-1. to 1. You can also say the same about Jordan Speed. And hadn't Zach flown, Johnson. Hadn't right? flown across, but he'd won the Travellers before coming across and winning the Open. So I think there's something in that. Even Zach Johnson, third at the John Deere Classic, sixth at the Travellers, came straight across to St Andrews, took that one out on a golf course that was going to suit Bombers, 125 to one, Zach Johnson. Coming in off form of third six. Crazy. So we're, we, we've got this at, at Tuesday on the on the week, the Tuesday prior to the Scottish Open, right? Yeah. So I found it interesting that, you know, basically of the big names, excluding the live guys, because that's a whole different conversation. But Rom is really the only big, big name that is, you know, on the PGA DP World Tour side of things that's not playing Scottish, right? No, he's not, no. 
Yeah, that was interesting to me because he's actually played well. He's played well at Renaissance before in the past. Yeah, he's a decent. He's a decent coastal golfer, isn't he? Right. He, he, you know, he's he's also performed well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, in Scotland, Ireland, he's he's performed well by the coast. Also, you know, it's, you can't just say you know he's Tory Tory Pines form or whatever. But he's a decent sure. coastal golfer. He, he he does have patience. He'd be pretty perfect for this golf course. I just, you know, I don't feel John Rahm. I don't, and, and you know, those trends suggest so. They suggest to me that you either want to be playing this week. Or you've played in the last couple of weeks in the States and you've performed very, very well. That screams Colin Morikawa, who was second clearly a couple of weeks ago at the Rocket Mortgage uh, on his last PGA Tour outing. And as we know, a major champion a couple of years ago. I'm seeing him as big as 25 to 1 over here in the UK. Does it surprise you that Rory is favoured over Scheffler? Yeah. Me too. I, I thought they'd, uh, I, I understand the Rory 2014 win and how well he played at the U S open, but it still surprised me to see Rory. And I don't know how they have it over for you guys. I'm seeing Rory right now. Best number available is eight to one and Scheffler's pretty widely available at nine. Rom at 11, by the way. And then we get all the way to Brooks at 16. Man, Cam Smith coming off the live win. Six yeah, When, Whenever, I can't remember the last time I saw Scotty Sheffer at double digits. I'm seeing him in a spot over here at 10 to 1. It's a good number. <laughs> that is a good number. What were we saying about TPC Sawgrass? There you go. I mean, I, I, I look at that. I look at that board. You know, Ram Ram struggles at Sawgrass. McElroy's clearly a winner there. Scheffler ten to one. Of those big three, I would take Scheffler personally. It was just the you know, it's it's stating the obvious. But the way that that guy is playing from tee to green is absolutely fantastic. Brooks has do, do, do the slow greens this this uh, over here in the in uh, England and Scotland aid Scotty Scheffler? Do you think in that way? Yeah, with his putting woes? Uh, maybe, but I look at a lot of the places where Scheffler has putted the best, and I think about places like Augusta, where it's almost, it almost you see often at the Masters where, yes, the greens are so difficult, but they almost become so difficult in terms of the slope and the undulation that you start to see guys like Scheffler and Hideki putt better. Because even the best putters are starting to really, really struggle on some of those, some of those lag putts and some of the shorties as well. So it could end up working well in Scheffler's favor. I'll give you one more. I mean, two years ago, the guy who led the field, the Cam Smith year, the guy who led the field in Tita Green at at Sawgrass gained like over twelve strokes ball striking at Sawgrass and has what two or three wins on. Past Palm Slow Greens, Hovland. Yeah. Here you go, Andy. You, this, that that that's that's a lovely segue. As 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 you know, and regulars will know that have been listening to our major um, research previews. Uh, golf betting system. Um, we have optimized a predictor model. 
So we basically, a lot of the variable data we use on a rolling five-year basis. These are the top 11 players on coastal golf courses over the last five years on the PGA Tour. That includes the Open Championship. Right, one, John Rahm. Now, if you look at that guy's Torrey Pines record, that explains that. Two, Victor Hovland. <laughs> Number two, Victor Hovland. Yeah. Three, Cam Smith. Four, Xander. Five, Colin Morikawa. Six, Justin Rose. Seven, Patrick Reed. Eight, Tony Finau, tied with Phil, Justin Thomas. And number 11 is Scotty Scheffler. So, yes, Victor Hovland, I think. Well, we just said, to, you know, a, a golfer that's strategic, a golfer that's straight off the tee and long, a player who can manage himself around a major venue and has had great major form of late. What did he do at St. Andrews last year? Right. And to give to give credit to Hovland, one thing that I've noticed that he's worked on a ton, which probably is able to explain his recent uptick in play, and I noticed this for the first time big time at Oak Hill, plays really disciplined golf these days, um, yeah. which is not what you used to. Sometimes I worry about with Rom. If I'm giving one criticism to Rom, and this is this is really in the weeds, shot selection with Rom, he can get a little bit aggressive and bite off a little bit more than he can chew. And I wonder if it's been the the playing with Brooks in these final rounds for for Hovland, but I saw a very very disciplined golfer not just at Oak Hill, but when he won at Muirfield Village, which was another incredibly firm and fast golf course, almost near major conditions. I mean, he won Muirfield Village at six under par, right? Muirfield yeah. Village played more difficult than LACC, right? Yeah. So I, I actually trust Hovland's shot selection and discipline on this golf course, maybe more so than I even trust Rom's. And Rory is a whole different discussion. I mean, I just don't know what... I, I just don't know how Rory is going to approach this week, right? I mean, and that is the big question with Rory is I am more fascinated to see what Rory McIlroy does off the tee on this golf course than any other player in the field. Yeah, that's a very, very fair point about McIlroy. And from memory, um, he played the Scottish Open the year that he won in 2014, clearly on a completely different golf course, I grant you, not that that's overly important, but the number that, that actually jumped off the page to me, yeah, he was 14th at the Scottish Open the week before winning the Open at Hoylake, yeah. He was 10th for total driving and 8th for ball striking that particular outing at the Scottish Open. 34th for driving accuracy, 5th for greens in regulation. So his tee to green game was in absolute rude health arriving here at Royal Liverpool. So this is the point. If we're seeing similar numbers to that at uh, the Renaissance this week, that, that throws, that throws uh, uh, some light onto McElroy. If we're seeing some driving that he can be, you know, where it's, 
wayward and not consistent, that to me would be a big, big red line through his name. Uh, you know, as you know, at that price. Before we get into this next group, the Speeths, the Cantleys, the Fleetwoods, the Xanders that I want to talk about. Thirty seconds on Brooks. I, I I don't want to skip through this range without talking about who I still believe to be the m- most disciplined and strategically sound major golfer of our since Tiger. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I get that with Brooks. I was absolutely adamant he'd go really well in uh, Los Angeles, and he didn't. And I, I tell you what I read, and, and somebody raised this on Twitter. I can't remember the person's name. You might know. But they said, if you look at Kepka's record at majors where he hasn't played the week before, mm-hmm. it's very, very, very different. Yeah? Most of the year, I think the majors that he's won in the past, he's always played the week before. He likes to. Some don't. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a big issue for Brooks this time around at the Open. Because clearly he can't be playing the Scottish Open. I know he played in London last week and he didn't overly play particularly well either. No. So I don't know. I tell you, you know me, I'm I'm a Kepka guy, but I'm not getting good vibes this time around for him for that for that particular reason. And I I'm, think that I think that PGA Championship win was so emotional, so redeeming, right? That it's almost kind of yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm in the Ryder Cup team, unless Zach pulls a real <laughs> rabbit out of a hat, and you know that that's kind of. I think Brooks is. I don't put it this way. I don't see Brooks actually finishing 20th at the Open, I think he'll be closer to the to the leading pack. Because as you said, strategically, this, go- this golf course should suit him down to the ground. But I think ultimately, he does like a course where big, booming, driving, as per Oak Hill, as per Beth Page Black, kind of is the differential. Right. I'm not sure that that is going to be this week or next week at um, at Royal Liverpool. And the difference between Oak Hill and the strategy that you can take at Oak Hill is such a stark contrast 
to the strategy that you would take at Liverpool. There is, I mean, if you wanted to throw out a touch of Shinnecock in terms of the consequence of misses and the tall fescue, mm-hmm. I could see that. But I would agree with you in the sense that Brooks, uh, I mean, it's just so hard to win two majors in the, in a year. And the Oak Hill victory felt like such a redemption story of, you know, the the rock bottom that he had characterized in the Netflix documentary and that we had seen in the previous year for him. And he did come out a little bit flat at the U.S. Open, which was probably the big concern that we would have had for him coming off that win at Oak Hill. I'm so fascinated to see how the live guys play in this major versus the previous majors, because you're right. You have that week long buffer period where they played at the Centurion club, which pretty liberal in terms of, um, being yeah. in London, right? Isn't Cent- <laughs> I don't I don't think Cent- I don't think it's far from from Liverpool, but I would imagine that a lot of these guys are staying. I mean, DJ's in the south of France right now, jumping off yachts. Uh, I'm but sure I- he is. Uh, don't blame him. Right, right. But I'm so curious to see how this preparation of the guys that are playing on a Lynx golf course, albeit a different Lynx golf course in the Renaissance Club, than what we'll see in Liverpool versus the guys that played London the week prior and are probably staying in the area for the next two weeks. Um, I'd imagine they have access to some of the other good lengths tracks in the area. Yeah. I don't know if Brooks is that kind of guy either. You read a lot of his interviews before a major. He says, oh, I turned up on Tuesday. I've played nine holes and (laughs) I've looked back from the green to to the <laughs> team. I've, I've understood exactly how to play this golf course. And that's exactly what he said before uh, Los Angeles country. Club. I don't think Brooks is the kind of guy that's going to be playing some kind of weird and wacky Lynx golf course in Ireland somewhere, prepping himself for this. That just isn't Brooks Koepka. Uh Both Xander and Cantlay. Yep. I bet at the US Open at 17 and 20, I believe. Yeah. Both are now 25. Yeah. And, I'm, so, I'm seeing Cantley 28 to 1 in a couple of spots here. Okay. So does that intrigue you at all? I think he'll win this week. I, 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 I think I like he wins, him a lot this I week. I think he though. wins the Scottish Open. So, yeah. Don't know. So, so if you like the I, – I agree, by the way. I think he's going to have a really strong Scottish Open. Yeah. The 28, you could make a case for grabbing that now because I think he's a very safe bet to at a bare minimum play well at the Scottish Open. Wouldn't that, um, wouldn't and his biggest price, Andy, a major this year, 28 to 1. That's that's got to be bigger than than what we well, definitely bigger than what we saw at the PGA and uh, the US Open. Would he have been he must have been shorter than 28 to 1 for the Masters as well? I'd have thought he was 20 22 at the Masters, yeah, it's double what he was at Cantlay was down to 14 to one in some spots for Oak Hill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 12 to one even same with Xander. Xander was like 12 to one at Oak Hill in some spots. And now he's 25 and justifiably. So, and I talked about this in the Scottish, the difficulty that I was having 
at the Scottish. And I know these guys are notorious door knockers at majors and notorious disappointers at majors. Um, but Cantlay and Xander at 25 at an open, I I'm more, I'll say this. I'm more likely to bet Xander and Cantlay at 25 to win the open championship probably than I am to bet them at 12, 13 to win the Scottish. At least we're starting to see with them that the number is starting to drift in the majors. I mean, you're seeing Fowler and Fleetwood ahead of Xander and Cantlay. And I don't think the Fleetwood and Fowler numbers are good, but can I argue with them being ahead of Cantlay and Xander at, at majors? I mean, maybe I, I under, I, I at least understand it. Yeah, with Tom, Tommy's basically playing at home, isn't he? So, yeah, he he's from Southport, which is ten miles up the coast. Um, this is this is his own. This is his home um, Open Championship. This one on, on Birkdale. So he's going to have all the home support. Um, Twenty-two to one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be going anywhere near that. And Ricky's Ricky. I mean, I, I, I was I, I was supporting him at fourteen to one to win the Rocket Mortgage. I'd been saying for months he was going to win the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and he kind of managed to <laughs> pull two amazing approach shots out of the uh, out of the fire on eighteen, both in regulation and playoff, and, and get that victory over Morikawa uh, and Hadwin. Played brilliantly at the U.S. Open, didn't he? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, my my gut feel is I personally would take twenty to one Victor Hovland over Ricky Fowler at twenty two to one, Tommy Fleetwood at twenty five to one, and I'd certainly take Colin Morikawa at twenty five to one over Tommy Fleetwood at twenty two to one because Colin Morikawa wins major championships. Victor's on my short list. Yeah. I, I'm I, I'm with you entirely. I may be getting out of my skis with this one. This might be overly ambitious. Uh, just by the way, Tommy Fleetwood does have a good sawgrass record, doesn't he? Not only does he have a good sawgrass record, Fleetwood's an incredibly accurate driver of the ball. He's a really disciplined player, almost to a fault. Like you mm-hmm. remember at the Canadian Open on that playoff hole, he his downfall was that he was playing too conservatively. Yep. And just in terms of, I know that, different agronomy the other one's a more modern a more modern setup with with hazards in the form of water and stuff like that but in terms of the consequence of misses and the stark contrast between very thick rough and narrow fairways i mean is la golf national that different of a setup to what we're going to see this week at Liverpool? Uh, I don't think so. The, the greens here are a mix of bent grass, poana, and fescue. Um, I think the greens over in the Golf National would be pure bent, but yeah, the fescue, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. And clearly, the bookmakers, you know, over here, that's. Are you seeing the same prices for Fleetwood over in the United States, or is it kind of a pat- patriotic? GB price that I'm seeing, and the biggest I'm seeing for Fleetwood now is 25 to one. What's what's happening over in the states on Fleetwood? Is that is that a similar price, or is there a bit more value over there? He's I see him as low as 15, as high, yeah, as low as 15 to one, Tommy Fleetwood, oh. as high as 25, and probably markets at 22. Yeah, Caesar Sportsbook 
has Fleetwood at 15 to 1 to win the Open Championship. That's madness. Fleetwood, Brooks, and Cam Smith all at 15 to 1 to win the Open Championship. <laughs> What's Tommy been doing? Has, has he been winning tournaments that I've missed? Is that, yeah. uh, have, I not been, have I not been around? Right. So I mean, clearly worked out that he, you know, he he lived ten miles from the golf course. So yeah, we 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 must put him up at that ridiculously short price. Yeah, that doesn't really ring true to me. Yeah, me as well. And, and I I'm I think Fleetwood's going to have a good Scottish too. And maybe if you're incredibly inclined on Fleetwood at Liverpool, and, and I certainly understand that. In, in my December preview, where I took a bird's eye view of these golf courses all the way back in December, Fleetwood was my December pick. And I've generally stuck with my December picks in terms of who I ended up betting tournament week. If the betting price allowed, still even at 25, I don't know if that's a buy number for me. I'm curious about this next tier that they have of of guys in, in the thirties. Um, I wonder if you get drift on these guys. I wonder if that, if the true value, because I have doubts that any of these guys, unless they really struggle at the Scottish, but the guys that you could catch some real value on is probably, and I don't know if these guys can win. Right. But the Justin Roses, the, obviously a tremendous amount of questions around Justin Thomas, the Tony Finaus, the Hideki's, the even a Matt Fitzpatrick, if he's if he struggles at the Renaissance Club, a Bryson is an interesting guy to talk about as well because Bryson is a guy that I actually really like on flat golf courses. I think yeah. that I, I have con- major, major concerns about Bryson on golf courses like Augusta and Kapalua, where I struggle with how his single length irons interact with slope. But I do believe that Liverpool is a v- very flat golf course, which could which could actually turn out quite well for Bryson. But this group of Bryson, Fitz, Cam Young, Rose, JT, Finau, I mean, I'll throw Wyndham Clark and Hideki Matsuyama and Jason Day in there as well. These are all of the guys that are between 30 and 70 that I'm curious if they start to hike up closer to the 60s. Uh, DeChambeau, you were right about Los Angeles Country Club. Yeah, in terms of those length of irons. Because I, I was quite, I was very high on DeChambeau and he actually played well until... He was, yeah. I mean, he, he was playing, he, he got to actually tied fourth and then he mucked up that drivable sixth hole, the drivable one. And he made bogey. And from that point, he just collapsed on the Friday. It just fried his mind that he, he, he'd driven the ball into, you know, into the into that bank beneath the green. Um, and that just that completely did for him. But yeah, I get what you're saying about the Shambo, and uh, I, I, I'm we're all learning, and I, I, I've learned that one about him. So that's something I need to take on board for future uh, tournaments and majors in particular. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Fitzpatrick's playing particularly well since since the RBC Heritage. The fact of the matter is, though, that if you said to if you you know you said Matt Fitzpatrick at the peak of his powers around here, 
a player that's got an excellent record out in the Scottish Open, an excellent record, you know, when playing in his home uh, home country anyway. And we're talking about a guy that can now get it out there relatively straight off the tee as a fantastic short game. Fitzpatrick ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't he? And he's 33 to 1 over here at the moment. Um, just I don't one, think just one at Harbour. Fitzpatrick at majors for, for a long time, have we? At, at that price. Did Justin so, yeah. the players? I think Rose is playing that again. I, 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 I've actually put him up this week for the Scottish Open on our podcast because I think Rose is playing some outstanding golf at the moment. Yeah. Do I see him winning it? Probably not. Do I see him placing? Oh, I can see him placing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Justin Rose, by the way, has not won the players. He's been good at the players. He does have a lot. Like he's got a Dunhill in there, and a and a lot of. Good success on Lexus. Doesn't call. the only thing the only problem with Rose is is he's his driving hasn't been the straightest this year. It really hasn't. But you know the British Masters at Belfry a few weeks ago. He, he again he he was he wasn't hitting fifty percent of his fairway. So it, that's something to just bear in mind. But then you know. You, you get these peaks and troughs with players, don't you? So uh, um, Rose potentially is a, is a player, I think, in that region. I don't see this being a Cam Young golf course like St Andrews was. No. Phenal seems in a complete and utter um, hole at the moment. Whether he's going to get himself out of that hole, you know, from a Ryder Cup perspective, he needs to. And JT, well... Have we ever seen Justin Thomas at 50 to 1 in a major? Because I'm seeing him in a place here at the moment, 50 to 1 to win the Open Championship. That's crazy. Unlikely since 2013, 14 range, probably. I, I, mean, I haven't seen him this high and I haven't seen him this high in forever. Before we get to some of the longer shot guys that maybe are a better discussion for a top 20 player in DraftKings. You know, the one name that we didn't devote any time to Steve, really Jordan Spieth. Yeah. 20 to one. Mm. Ticks the box in terms of the majors. Uh, he was fourth at the uh, masters, of course. Yeah. For me, with Jordan, it's all about off the tee. It's all about um, whether he's going to be hitting enough straight drives and not getting into trouble off the tee. So, I mean, that, that performance he had at Memorial was almost... He was, he was fifth at Memorial, wasn't he? And it was one of his best ever strokes going tee to green performances of his whole career. So, yeah, I think there's worse bets than Jordan Speed. It'd be interesting to see how he goes at the at the Scottish this week. I think. Hideki. What are your views? What are your views on him? Uh, I have. I, I I do still have. He had some. He's had some incredible driving weeks this season. You mentioned Memorial. He drove the ball really well at Oak Hill, too, which is fascinating for me because. If you're gaining that many strokes off the tee at a golf course like Oak Hill without being one of the longer drivers of the ball in the field, 
you're driving the ball really straight and decently long as well. Um, He still is probably of the elite players. And I haven't mapped out the proximity ranges yet in terms of the buckets that I think to me, it it feels like based on depending on the prevailing wind and just certain holes, I'm going to map all this out in terms of the wind directions. But I, I don't think you're going to get a massive amount of long irons in the same respect that we had at Oak Hill and LACC. I think it might play it maybe a touch shorter, but again, I have to go back and look at the wind direction on some of these holes. He's probably of the elite players. I have still the most questions about his long iron play. Yeah. Um, but I think ben, Co- ben Coley raised an excellent point in one of his previews here. Um, a few months ago about Jordan Speed. If you actually go back through his record, he hasn't won an elite field golf tournament since the 2017 Open Championship. A field that was absolutely stacked full of the very best players. That's crazy, but true. He won the Texas Open the week before the Masters, and then he won the Heritage last year, which had. You know, that wasn't an elevated, designated event or anything like that. It had some good players in it, a decent field, but it didn't have the very best of the best. And that just always kind of nags away at me when you look at Jordan Spieth at 20 to 1 because he hasn't won a, a stellar field for six years as of next week. Just something to, just something to mull over, really. Right. And he, he's been around. I mean, obviously he's had a lot of good finishes at Augusta and such, but you're right. He hasn't had that crowning achievement. No, exactly. Past five years since he was really on that run of 2014 to 2017, where he was the the best, you know, top five player in the world for a sustained three-year period. But would there be a better place in major championship golf to break that hoodoo than actually coming over here to the UK and winning in front of a, a, a UK crowd and actually taking home the, uh, the claret jug. So that's the kind of thing, isn't it? Because open championships are a completely different beast. So yeah, two ways of looking at that. Who do you fancy at a bigger price then, um, Andy? Yeah, I was going to ask you if there's a uh, if we go into the the Todd Hamilton Ben Curtis Stewart Sink category. I will say th- I'll say this: I, I really do think that there are worse bets than Stenson at two hundred and fifty three hundred to one, right? Wow. And, and I I I don't think Stenson's going to win this golf tournament. I'm more curious about him as a DraftKings play. But I think that hyper-accurate and disciplined player is going to be able to make some noise at this golf course. Maybe a more realistic expectation is to talk about somebody that has a Stenson-esque style of game, but is probably at this stage of his career a much better player than Stenson. And that probably leads me to a Tom Kim or Corey Connors, maybe. Yeah, Connors for sure, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. How about a red hot Seb Strucker? Ooh. Yeah. 250 to one over here in the UK, coming off a win at the John Deere Classic and 
as low as what he was seventh at the PGA Championship. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. If if there's a two fifty around on Straka, um, there's definitely worse uses of your money than that. Seeing as he's as low as sixty six here in some spots for the Open. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't know. Difficult, isn't it? I could see Kurt Kitayama. He's he's the kind of sort that he his driving can be so so wayward. You could see Kitayama in a lot of trouble. What about Paddy Harrington? He's playing some amazing golf in the seniors. Top maybe a DraftKings player, ridiculously low ownership. I'm I'm with I'm absolutely with. I see him as high as one seventy five to one. I'm with the olds. This week, certainly. I think that those guys, I already mentioned Stenson. I think all types of smart, crafty, wily veterans can make some noise this week. Is Louie in the field? I, I, I'm just out of curiosity. I, I have a tenuous relationship with Louie. But if he's in the field, if we're talking that type of player, if we're talking about Stenson and Harrington. Yeah. Louis is in the field through yeah. uh, the Open champion of 2010. Yeah, he's in. Yeah, I just I, he's been pretty bad on live for what it's worth recently. Would be my. Would he's be driving my... around in his tractors. He's not doing a lot of practice, Andy. Come on. We know what Louis likes to do. He likes to tend tend his cattle. He's, I doubt if he's doing a lot of practice. That's the thing, isn't it? Is he really that? Is he really that bothered? Don't know. <laughs> Yeah, he he, he might be on DJ's yacht in Saint Tropez. <laughs> he could be, yeah. What about Brian Harmon? Sure, two hundred to one over here. That's a big price. So I mean, Harmon was in the top five at St Andrews last year, wasn't he? Yeah, and he is. Uh, he's been a, good stuff right now. A sne- a sneaky good major player. Yeah, absolutely, and he he kind of. Fits the mould, doesn't he? Um, not the not not the longest, I grant you, but he's he's straight. He's got a fantastic uh, around the green game on a shorter course. He's a, when it, when his approach plays, firing. He's nuggety, mate. Very very nuggety. Two hundred to one. I think that's a good price. Uh, Paul mentioned Alex Noren as well. We over here. We're, there's a lot of us would like to see Alex Noren actually make some kind of charge for the Ryder Cup team because he's an he's an excellent player when he's in when he's in form Alex Noren. And uh, there's just been the odd sign recently that the game is coming back to him. Um we've always said on the Golf Betting System podcast, Alex Noren is the kind of player that plays all of his best stuff on bent grass and on bent power putting uh, putting surfaces and also on your blue grass and your Poana kind of uh, fairways and, you know, the, the North European agronomy that you also get in the northeast of America. And slowly but surely, now that he's playing some of those courses ge- geographically, lo and behold, he's starting to just move away from that that funk that he's been in. So maybe Alex Noreen, I know Paul's, Paul's keen on him for the Scottish this week. So Me maybe well. that would be someone to look out for as well. Uh, he's my favourite long shot at Scottish. At yeah, the yeah, yeah. As well, um, yeah. I think he again. I think he's kind of on life support for that one of those final Ryder Cup spots. But a yeah. strong two weeks here, 
could elevate him at least more so and in, into the forefront of the conversation. Okay, before I give uh before I start to give you my like Danny Willett case, I, I as it stands now, we've got some time, so no pressure. You're not liable for this. Yeah, I I would expect maybe my opinion to change as I dive a little bit deeper into this course over the next five, six days. But let's get out of here with with who your winner is. If you had to pick one name as it stands. One name. Yeah, one name. I think Victor Hovland's going to pick up his first major title. Gosh, are we aligned? It's never good. I think Victor Hovland. That's who I think. You think about it. The course that we've described, the trouble off the tee, the ability to be strategic and just manage your way around a golf course. You were talking about Phil's comments about approaches not being taken away from the green and it's a very true golf. It rewards good quality approach play. And this is a guy that clearly finished second at the PGA, seventh at the Masters, and he's playing the Scottish Open this week. So he's getting that acclimatization. I think at Victor Hovland at twenty to one. I think I'm with you. Nine days out, that's my pick. Um yeah. that may change as we get closer to tournament week. I'm curious to see what happens at the Scottish. Um, I, I agree with you. Outside of Morikawa, I think what you do in the week prior to a major can be really indicative and and important. So I, I'm very curious to see how some of the top names do perform at the Scottish. But of the, the big I three, though, I, I personally would take Scheffler. Uh the big three. I I think Rory is uh I think Scheffler has the best price. I think if you're you're asking me if I would rather bet Rory at seven, Scheffler at nine, or Rom at eleven. I think Scheffler at nine is the best price. Yeah. Now, I'm not. I I can't. I can't rule out the possibility of how I continuously begin to talk myself into Rory at every major. It's I I can't. That can't be a bet at seven. It's a it's a bad inflated number based on his 2014 performance at this golf course. So I don't know if I'm ready to say that Scheffler, I think it's very close between Scheffler and Rory at the top. Scheffler's the better bat. He should be the favorite. I mean, that that they should at bare minimum at least be eight. But if you're asking me Rory at seven, Scheffler at nine, that's the best bat. People have been listening to this uh, record because that 10 to one's disappeared. <laughs> it's gone. So <laughs> he's straight nine to one now. Which if is he doesn't play very well in Scotland. I think you will. You might get. You, yeah, you you may get a, a, a little snippet of ten to one, maybe even elevens about Scheffler. Sure, and if Rory and if Rory misses the cut in Scotland and Scheffler finishes yeah. top five, that's you might get you might get eight to one on Rory instead of sevens. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. All right, Steve. Uh, God, man, I'm a little bummed. We might have to do maybe. Maybe we'll do a little Ryder Cup in oh, uh yeah. yeah, we'll do a Ryder Cup closer to closer to mid-August. 
Because, um, gosh, nine nine days from now, it'll be. Do you a- know what I'd love to do with you, Andy? Mm-hmm. In terms of Ryder Cup, in terms of a show, I would love to do a show where we actually pick our favourite players for both the American team and the European team before the captains make their picks. What do you think to that? Sold. You, you had me at hello. That's I live for that stuff. <laughs> so do I. Okay. I think that'd be great. So we could just chew the fat on who our captain's picks would be for the two Ryder Cup teams and see how aligned we are. Right. No, I'd absolutely love that. So we'll we talk, talk about... We can talk about the course and all that good stuff as well. Which is fascinating. I think I think Marco Simone is... There's a lot of meat on that ball. Oh, yeah. It's a tough I'm, course. That I'm excited to dive into. Really unique and singular design. I don't know if I like the golf course, but I'm very no. curious to see. Right. I'm very curious to see. Just really funky design on some of the holes. So we'll dive into... Uh, We'll dive into all that in the upcoming months. Real quick, give everybody, I know your preliminary article is out, but uh, give a quick plug to where everyone can find you this week. Golf betting system. Um, you can check out the, the uh, YouTube channel as well, the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel. Uh, we do the golf betting system podcast, which comes out every Tuesday. We're actually going to be recording our research podcast uh, at the latter end of this week. So it'll probably be coming out the same kind of time as this, actually. So over the over the weekend preceding the Open, you can listen to that. And our Open content will be out next or the Monday of the Open at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Steve, it was a pleasure as always. Good to see you, my friend. We'll be back in a month or so for the Ryder Cup. Look after yourself, Andy. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to Steve. Special thanks to rickrungoods.com. And we'll be back on this feed Sunday morning with some more on the golf course and my official picks for 2023 Open Championship. Until then, best of luck with your bets this weekend. And we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream between the viaducts of your dream Where a mobile steel rims crack And the dead shed the back roads stop